The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all of this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. I ask, as always today, that we join our hearts together in prayer. Risen God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I remember being in the third grade and receiving my first copy of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I liked to read at that age, kind of. I read short books, but I remember my my mom told me she had heard good things about this Harry Potter book. And I tried to read it, but as an eight-year-old, I was a little intimidated by this 309-page book. I certainly couldn't read a book that long. But my mom helped me with it. She read a chapter at a time to me before bed, and I started to fall in love with the story. And finally, after we had finished it, reading it like that at bedtime, I went back and I read it for myself. I wasn't certain that I could read a book that big, but there I was, 309 pages down. And then I read all 352 pages of book two, even though I was certain I couldn't read 309. And by the time I had devoured all 435 pages of book three and the whopping 752 pages of book four, I started to wonder. I was certain that I couldn't read a book that long. But once that certainty crumbled, I asked myself, what else is possible? Reading those 309 pages changed my life, and I was never intimidated again by the length of a book. We do this kind of thing in life. We have limits, we push limits, we test our certainties, and we find ourselves challenged, and then we reassess. We humans were certain that anything we threw up in the air would fall back down again. 
Until someone came along and said, I bet if we strap enough rockets to that thing, it's not going to come back down. That is a terrible history of NASA, but that's how (laughs) we discovered space. I myself was certain when I visited James Madison University as a high school junior that I was going to leave and I was going to tell my mom I never wanted to go to her alma mater and it was a dumb school. Here I am, degree in hand, bleeding purple forever. We as a human race were certain that no human could run a mile in under four minutes. Until 1954, Roger Bannister did it. And now the record is 343. I myself was certain that God wasn't possibly calling me to serve as a pastor in Christ church, proclaiming a word of resurrection and administering the sacraments. Well, certainties get shattered. And we're left to ask, what else is possible? They say in life only two things are certain. Do we know what these are? Death? Death and taxes. Well, tax day was Monday. Everybody pay their taxes? If the answer is no, don't out yourself here. Don't do that. That's good. Pay your taxes. But, you know, the funny thing about that, you don't have to pay your taxes. Now, before I post this sermon online and get audited... In this next year, I, as your pastor and fellow citizen, do encourage you to pay your taxes because while you don't have to pay them, the alternative is jail. But taxes aren't an absolute certainty. Point is, there's only one thing left that is certain in life death. Death is all that's certain in life. We know this. We know that we will all die one day. We hope, beyond hope, that it will happen at the end of a long and happy life. But death is certain. And death seems so final. Life is a great series of testing limits and pushing our certainties to the limit and beyond. But that one certainty of death is unyielding, right? Until we hear a story that says on the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women came to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. For all of our earlier certainty, we are now faced with a question. What happens when the dead don't stay dead? In this Easter story, the greatest certainty of life has been shattered. These women come to the tomb. They had watched him die. They had wept for him. They saw him laid in the tomb and anointed for burial. And now they learn from the appearance of angels that Jesus is risen. He is not dead, but alive. What happens when the dead don't stay dead? The single greatest certainty in life has been shaken, shattered, forever changed, and we are left now to reassess our lives and what this means for the sake of our world.
One thing about this uncertainty is certain. This is a big deal. The message of Easter changes everything. We can no longer orient our lives around that greatest certainty because our God is working resurrection here in our midst. The angels in this account ask what is perhaps my favorite question in all of Scripture. Why do you look for the living among the dead? We do not need to look for our Lord in the graves. We do not need to look behind us in our lives to find God. God is ahead of us, working resurrection, making all things new. Christ is risen. And I say that very intentionally. We are not gathered here today to remember an historical event. We are not observing what happened 2,000 years ago. Christ the Lord is risen today. We do not say that Christ was raised. We say that Christ is risen. Resurrection is happening now among us here. This is a new and uncertain way of hope that lies before us. Because friends, I'm here to tell you, the dead don't stay dead. This isn't just a promise of old. This isn't just a promise for the future. This is a way of life breaking into our lives this very moment that calls us ahead, forward at Christ Church. Resurrection is new life known here and now. It's a little unsettling because it's uncertain. Resurrection is calling us to question everything we think we know. Like those 309 pages caused me to question my old assumptions about my ability to read a long book. On a wide cosmic level, our certainties, our assumptions have been shattered today. In this messy thing called life, we push our limits, test our certainties, find ourselves challenged, and then we reassess. So let's reassess, dear church. Let's say we believe this story of the resurrection. Let's say we believe it enough to gather week to week, day to day, to form intentional communities that witness to this truth. Let's say we believe this story of resurrection so much that we are washed in it and that we are fed by it constantly. What does this resurrection news mean for our old certainties about the way of the world? If the dead don't stay dead, will the poor always stay poor? It's easy to dismiss the poor, to think there's too much need, I can't make a difference, to think we shouldn't care because, oh, they've gotten themselves into that mess, and that mess can never change. But friends, our message tells us today that the dead don't stay dead. Could our call to love reveal resurrection here and now? If the dead don't stay dead, will the hungry stay hungry? Will the thirsty stay thirsty? Before this resurrection news, we may have been certain that we couldn't make a difference for those who hunger throughout the world and lack access to clean water. But friends, the dead don't stay dead. If the dead don't stay dead, will persons of color be bound forever by the evils of white supremacy? It might seem like too great of a crisis. White supremacy and the violent legacy of racism in this nation has been with us since our colonial founding. It might just seem too ingrained, too deep, too pervasive, too much a part of the fabric of America. But friends, the dead 
don't stay dead. This word of hope is freedom to the captive and woe to the oppressor. This word is of resistance to white supremacy is hope and new life breaking forward at the dawn of a day where the dead don't stay dead. No evil is certain in the light of this truth. If the dead don't stay dead, will LGBTQ folks stay marginalized by bigotry and indifference in our society? Evil and indifference may seem like it's woven too deep into our institutions and our systems. We may lament and be certain that we'll never turn every heart toward inclusion and affirmation of all God's beloved creation. But I'm here to say today that the dead do not stay dead. No bigotry is forever in the light of resurrection. Will the voices of women be disregarded, diminished, and discouraged as an idle tale forever, even though they were the first to proclaim this message of the gospel. To this, let us echo the promise that these faithful women shared with us. The dead don't stay dead. In a world that is mired in rampant consumerism and slavish devotion to profit over stewardship, is our environment just too far gone? Not when the dead don't stay dead. Am I myself sitting here in this assembly, a sinner worshiping in this assembly of saints? Am I too sinful? Am I too unredeemable? Am I too far gone? You may feel certain that God, who is infinite and almighty, can't possibly be concerned for you, have any care for you, any desire to know, claim, and redeem you. But we proclaim together today that the dead don't stay dead, that God is working resurrection through grace and love in your life and in the life of all God's people. Are my relationships too broken? We may feel certain that our human bonds are broken beyond repair and that forgiveness is impossible. But the great reconciler who walks with us in the path of forgiveness has strode forth from the tomb to witness to that hardened certainty of this world that the dead do not stay dead. If the dead don't stay dead, am I certain that I must stay afraid, stay angry, stay alone, stay in grief, stay bound by my addiction? Friends, we are not just telling a fantasy story of zombies here. We are not talking about some random guy that we thought was dead but made an incredible comeback. We're talking about Jesus Christ, who was crucified, died, and was buried, and here we are on his third day. Jesus Christ is the firstborn of the dead. He is alive today and is working resurrection in this life and in the life to come. On Easter morning, God changed the rules of the game. God has rolled away the stone on the tomb that has held our hardened certainties in the bonds of death. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. These things are all the deathly certainties of our world. These are all the things that hold our beloved siblings and ourselves in the grip of death every day. And we, dear church, are being sent to proclaim resurrection. We, dear church, are being sent to turn the world upside down in the good news of what God has done this day. The dead don't stay dead. And we are being sent to proclaim that hope to all who say that death and violence and division and fear are the only lords of this earth. We are being sent in great love to build a new kingdom, witness to a new way where the dead don't stay dead. We are witnesses to resurrection, proclaiming this gospel hope and breaking down the certainties of our world, not some far off day, but here and now.
New life is springing up all around us, and we are being sent to witness to it, proclaiming God's mighty deeds. In the light of the resurrection, all that is certain is God's love, God's triumph, God's glory, God's grace, God's mercy, and God's compassion. That, that is enough certainty to build a kingdom upon. This new certainty is uncertain precisely because it's new, precisely because it challenges everything that our world says. It's a new hope, a new love, a new way of seeing our world, and we are called to walk in this way as children of the resurrection. So let us not linger at the tomb any longer. The women certainly didn't. They rushed to share this bold story of hope among the living, share it with a weary, wounded, and deathly certain world. In the light of Easter, let us usher in a new world of uncertainty. Let us build a world where we are unsure of our past limitations and divisions. Let us build a world where our new certainty, our new way, is found in the hope, the promise, the mercy, and the love that poured forth from an empty tomb. Let us share this bold story. It's the story of when the dead don't stay dead. It's the story of God's love claiming the day. It's a story that changes everything. And even here, the precipice of the empty tomb being sent out in the world, you may be certain that you don't have what it takes to share resurrection. You may be certain that you will fail in this kingdom-building work that challenges the deathly certainties of this world. You may be certain that this good news is not yours to share. Perhaps that's why we gather in community. Perhaps that's why we raise our voices together in prayer, in song, in praise. Perhaps we must fall on each other in the uncertain way of hope and justice that lies ahead of us. Perhaps we need a community, a church to draw our eyes forward that we might not seek the living among the dead, but witness to resurrection, seek resurrection, proclaim resurrection amongst the living. We need each other to proclaim this promise that changes everything. The dead don't stay dead. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.